Welcome to the Honest Postnatal Podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Dow, a postnatal exercise specialist and a mum of two. This is a space where we talk about postnatal recovery and how it feels emotionally and physically. This can be a challenging time for any mum, but I'm here to give you hope whilst keeping it honest. So wherever you are, take a deep breath, settle in, let's get started. Sophie, thank you so much for joining me today on the Honest Postnatal Podcast. I know we had to delay it a little bit. I think you were trying to get your two little girls to bed and I actually was just, my two little boys were going mental. So um, hopefully, is everything okay now to start? Yeah, I mean, we're three years into having two and I feel like I still haven't quite mastered putting both to bed um when it's just me at bedtime so um but yeah they're both they're both asleep thankfully um so thanks for pushing the time a bit no you're welcome it's I mean yeah we've got two and I've got a third one on the way and it's I don't think you ever get used to it like it's just so hard and bedtimes just seems for me seems to be that absolute like chaos and they never want to go to bed ever (laughs) no my um my six-year-old is particularly gifted at sort of coming up with all kinds of reasons why she's not tired not going to bed and yeah she has us sort of wrapped around her finger (laughs) (laughs) it's the distraction techniques and I suppose that was why I wanted to talk to you when you just said your six-year-old I'm gonna check with you but I think it was your first child that led you to found mama made and that was how I found you um through your meals actually Um, And so that's why I wanted to speak to you today, because to me, it's incredibly important that women are in business that can open businesses when they're mothers. But I think it's something that a lot of us don't talk about and how kind of hard it can be. So do you want to maybe just introduce yourself a little bit? Actually, that might be really helpful for the listeners. Yeah, sure. Um, So I had a business, as you rightfully pointed out, called Mama Made, which was a child nutrition brand. Um. I started it when, yeah, my daughter, who's now six, um, when I was weaning her, just feeling like there was such an opportunity for better products, better nutrition, better support. Um, And it was an amazing, (laughs) amazing process to kind of see that business come to life. It wasn't something I ever pictured myself doing, but I think um, I was on mat leave from my kind of day job, let's say, and, and the idea of going back to work and doing something that was maybe not as exciting or as fulfilling um, as I kind of wanted my career to be or like justifying that time away from my from my child but at the same time wanting to do something that would feel challenging and fulfilling so um, yeah starting my own business and running my own business was honestly like the best (laughs) experience and I feel so grateful for it Um, and anytime any women ask me about it I'm just so encouraging but um, obviously has its challenges as well but um, no looking back I feel so grateful that it was something I I took the took the what's the word took the plunge like went for it just just did it Um, yeah and when you say you took the plunge, so how old was your first daughter when you start, or like when you had the concept of the business and the idea started to grow? So I guess I had the concept when she was around, when we were weaning, around maybe seven or eight months when it starts to be a bit more like, okay, we're, I need to do this every day. She's having regular meal times. But it took another year, yeah, about a year after that until we actually launched. 
Um, and even then when I launched, it was just sort of slowly on Instagram. So the whole process was really slow, trying to figure out what I was actually doing, what the product was, what what the opportunity was. And um, when she was that bit older and in nursery more is when I um, I really went for it. I was very lucky at the time. My bosses at my day job were extremely supportive and they kind of let me work on it on the side while I was still <laughs> working with them at the desk. Um, so, yeah, so I guess we launched properly when she was about two. Um, and yeah, I've sort of, I stopped being involved with the business as of last March. So when she was about five, so yeah, about about four four years in the making. And in that four years, you had another baby as well? Yeah, I had my son, Arthur, um, okay. when, um, let's see, it was, that was when everything was sort of picking up. Um, that was in 2020 during one of the lockdowns. Um, oh gosh, okay. I had, <laughs> um, so the whole thing feels like a fever dream, um, running the business, giving birth. Um, and it was really like, I, I think we started raising money for the business when I was I was pregnant and I remember we had got the last signature on one of the agreements at my 20 week scan. Um, and so, yeah, we had just gotten all this money in and then he was born, what, four months later or so. And how did that feel? Because that must have been kind of really exciting. But at the same time, I can't imagine like the juggle of having one child already who was presumably like a toddler then being pregnant as well and, and being like the CEO of your company so how did you how did you manage all of that yeah I was sort of naively optimistic that I could do it all like um you know my daughter was in nursery I felt like oh you know how hard is a newborn I can just kind of like <laughs> hold him while I'm doing emails and calls and things and and that was true like the baby was easy enough but I really underestimated how depleted I would be um, from birth and from the whole pregnancy. And, it, you know, I was overdue with him. So it was an extra long pregnancy and he was really big at birth and it, it was not a straightforward birth. And I really didn't account in any way for that to, that to be an outcome. Um, and so I had him over Christmas and I would say by, you know, we got that kind of downtime between then and the new year, which was amazing. But then the new year started again and it was like, you know, employees looking to me for answers and, and my husband who's partners with me in business looking to me to join calls and have answers. And I really wish I had just anticipated a bit more that I would need more support in the business to allow me that time really to just to recuperate I really just I'm very grateful I had a very straightforward birth with my first and I felt really good after it and I just wasn't I just sort of naively thought it would be fine <laughs> and I just really was so depleted um I mean he's three and I feel like I'm still recovering so that should say something 
Which, you know, which happens, like I speak to women a lot about how, you know, pregnancy is nine months and there's this whole thing about like it's nine months baby in nine months to recover. But actually the research shows that it takes two years for your body to recover. Yeah, two years for your body to recover from pregnancy and birth. And that's from, you know, that research is based on a very normal what would be termed as like an easy good birth so if you've had a slightly difficult birth as well um it, it does deplete you and I think that is the thing and especially and it's something I want to speak to you about later but the UK and the US difference but you know I think in the UK there's not enough recognition on what happens to mums and how long it can take your body to recover and things like nutrition and supplements and so yeah being depleted from a, a difficult birth and then trying to run a business as well must have been so draining on you in kind of in every you know circumstance yeah um no it was a really it was a really funny time looking back on it um I think the I just was not really just didn't prepare myself I think for the kind of brain differences the brain fog your mind's just not I wasn't in this like fight mode that I think you really need to be in um and there was definitely a moment when I got more support and I think um you know we, we ended up hiring a nanny quite early on um who was looking after him in our home um and that gave me a bit more time and space to like be um working but still having that ability to be near him so it ended up actually being this like really ideal situation um but and, and then my husband was like oh you're back like you're, you know you're back you can see that you're getting you're a bit snappier like you're a bit more on it um but that was I don't know maybe four or five months in like I just I for those first four or five months it was like walking through molasses it was just like sludge I could not get my brain to to be quick the way that it needed to be to run a business um so yeah, that was just pure willpower. And and the truth is because I wasn't prepared, the team wasn't prepared. And so I think that was one of the bigger mistakes I made because if I could do it again, I would have really energized my team and empowered the team around my maternity leave. I would have taken maternity leave. <laughs> I would have um, yeah empowered more people to take on more. And I think that's just something that I personally have had to deal with. I think it's probably not too uncommon for women of that kind of, how do you ask for help? How do you bring the help in? How do you identify what help you need? Um, you know, I, I was still relatively sort of immature when it came to that or, or just not, not aware enough of how to do that. I think if you said you had, you know, quite a good straightforward first birth and quite a good recovery, then you know in your head you were obviously kind of planning the same thing so it's quite difficult if you had different experience to have like planned forwards for that isn't it I mean I listened to um another podcast actually where you were interviewed I think it was an American lady talking about birth stories and you spoke about your first are you happy to talk a little bit about your second birth in terms of then like how it affected your recovery yeah of course um I mean yes my first birth was really textbook in that way um my second birth was um I really thought I was going to be having a home birth that was sort of what I was preparing for um because I'd had this just incredible experience with my first and I was sort of bought into this whole <laughs> you know natural birth movement and I I really wanted it to be at home partly because of the pandemic and um 
I was really overdue. And I also, I had this gut feeling that I was, I had a really big baby because it was very heavy in a way that I didn't have with my first. Um, But with the pandemic, I don't know, everything was, I was always being passed on to this person, that person. And it didn't feel like anyone was really monitoring me as closely as I should be. But at the same time, I was under the home birth team, which was very like, you can birth your baby. You you know, you won't birth a baby that's too big. (laughs) Um, Anyway, and I, 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 that's another topic. Um, but yeah, Christmas Eve, twenty twenty, we went back into lockdown. Um, or another, yeah, the ambulance services were no longer available for home births, so all home births were canceled. Um, okay. And so yeah, the home birth team was basically like, you know, if you go into labor, you go into the hospital. At that point, I think I was close to two weeks overdue. So I sort of was just like, screw this. I'm going to get induced <laughs> over this. Oh my God, 42 weeks. It's such yeah, a... I was... Ethan, my first one was 42 weeks and it's so long, isn't it? Like those last few weeks just kill you. <laughs> it meant I wasn't prepared for how draining that weight would be. Yes. I was also early <laughs> with my first and I knew I was big with my second. I just in no planet thought I'd be going overdue with him. I was just yeah. Um. Anyway, I ended up getting induced, which was um, the induction itself was actually fine, was straightforward. Um, I didn't they they did their best to keep me in the birth center. Um, I had the balloon induction, um, but it was just one of those things where, you know, things weren't going that well. I had to get transferred to labor ward. And as soon as I got transferred to the labor ward, it was like. I was in this tiny room with a shared bathroom and there was just like <laughs> monitors bleeping. It was just like, oh, this is not the environment. Um, but I ended up having something called shoulder dystocia with him, which is uh, a really okay. weird complication yeah. where the um, shoulder basically gets stuck in the pelvis trying to come out. Mm-hmm. Um, as my sister, who's an obstetrician, <laughs> will tell me that is literally a worst case scenario. Um, thankfully, he was fine. Um, and I was actually, you know, physically more or less fine. I, I ended up delivering him um normally but yeah it was just a bit the whole thing was just physically quite <laughs> demanding I guess and then real he was over 10 pounds so he was oh, over gosh. four and a half kilo when he was born um so it, I think there was just a lot of feeling let down as well by the system that that hadn't been picked up and that no one was really kind of um and then you know it was the pandemic as well so my husband was sort of out within an hour and a half um so the whole thing was just sort of not a great experience um but I was very obviously happy that I'd had a happy a healthy baby and um yeah no doubt about that but I think physically I just found maybe probably on top you know it, it was sort of at that point we'd been in lockdown for what how many a long time <laughs> yeah half a year it was just like I was so emotionally just done I think by the time he was born um and and realizing that how close to worst case outcome I'd been with my birth I think was is something I'm still sort of processing in some ways yeah I mean I think all of us that had COVID babies it was a very difficult time wasn't it I mean um I look back now and it, it does feel quite kind of not trauma inducing but to think about everything that went on and I think the wi- the way women were treated and giving birth and I can to hear that you couldn't have the home birth that you'd planned just it's so distressing to think that that was put in place um I think women were so much more affected than other parts of society in terms of like giving birth um how did it affect you mentally as well then when you got home with baby did it feel like a 
affected kind of bonding or anything like that? So I bonded with him straight away. Um, actually, in a way that I didn't experience with my daughter. I I don't know if that's because he's my second, maybe because it was a complicated birth. Um, I was in this, honestly, in this amazing newborn bubble that I didn't really experience my first time. Um, and all I wanted to do was like hold him and nurse him and not answer email. <laughs> I was like, that. I was like in my nightgown all day. I was like in bed. I was like, you can bring me my laptop, but I'm not working. And um, no, it was honestly, it was incredible. I I have oddly just like really nice memories of those first days with him. It was also, you know, that week between Christmas and New Year, which is just a naturally yeah. quiet time. So we weren't getting like loads of things happening at work um so no I mean despite the birth itself once we were home it it all felt very relaxed and quite happy and I think that was probably part of the difficulty of being like oh my god I have to go back to this business that I started that I raised money for (laughs) when I just want to be holding my baby yeah Um, which I definitely never had with my first um and what yeah. was the plan? So I know you said you felt like you weren't prepared. So you thought you were going to have baby and, and it would be fine. Like you could just hold him. You could type out your emails. Is that genuinely like what you were thinking would occur? Genuinely, it's what I was thinking would occur. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's that. quite reasonable. Like, yeah, it's not how, he can't be harder than a, you know, a three-year-old at that point. I thought it'll be fine. It'll be relaxed. I think to be fair, once you've got like, I think once you've had another one and you see the toddler stage and you're like, oh, that's what I wasn't prepared for. You do think <laughs> like the, the you see a newborn, and you're like, God, they just sleep. Actually, that is the easy bit. So I think actually thinking that you could do emails is is completely justifiable. Um, when you're saying that you you would go back and change it. So maybe for other mums that are listening that have got businesses and they're planning a second child, like what would you have put in place if you could, you know, if you could go back and change it now? What would have been helpful as a new mum? I think part of my problem was seeing myself as somewhat irreplaceable in the business because I was leading it. And I think if I were to do it again, I would really understand what my function is in the business and what my role is, and then find cover for those. There's always going to be some element, obviously, as a business owner, business leader, that is irreplaceable but there's a lot that you do that can be covered for so I think there's there's partly that there's finding um literally maternity cover even if it's for two months or one month just finding and if if even it's from within the team just understanding what jobs can be taken over um being really you had no maternity cover set up for yourself no no I genuinely was like I will be back at work on Monday I will be fine I mean that's how naive I was um I love it though I don't think naive I think it's like you're a strong woman you know you're powerful like I love that I think that that's just really and you obviously you know it's your your business is your baby like I know that it's a it's a different baby but I think it and especially because to me like listening to you it was so inherent also being a mum like it so I think all of the roles were so blended so I can see again how you wouldn't have thought that but thinking about how if you'd been an employee with another company, you'd be like, yes, let's find maternity cover for nine months. So it's interesting, isn't it, how that it plays out and everything? A hundred percent. Yeah. No, and I, I do think that I would have really included the team more. So kind of really communicated more with the team, um, set expectations for like, you know, 
things might not go well and this is what it's going to look like if I do need extra time to to rest and recover like um I was really afraid to kind of show that vulnerability I think to the team um I was really keen to prove that I could do everything you know don't worry this is just a baby it's not a big deal <laughs> um and I I wish I had really kind of given created more space for it um because I think that's also a nice opportunity as a business, like from a cultural point of view, to to really um, make space for people's big life events and, and understand how that can take someone away from work or from that being their focus for a period of time. Um, so I, I think the way I approached it, yeah, I wish I, I really do wish I'd done that, that. So I think for anyone listening who might be thinking about that, I think um, being open with your team and, and making that a, a kind of moment to to instill the kind of brand values or company values across the board. And did you have many other women working for you? Because again, I'm just thinking, you know, it, it's mama made in the name. It was all about being mums. It was about feeding your children and being a working mum. So did you have many other mothers working for you? So funny enough, at that time, we had other women, but not mothers um, okay. and quite young as well. I mean, we were we were a new startup, so we were sort of, having to to budget and that kind of meant we had quite a junior team um and we actually saw almost a full turnover of the marketing team during my mat you know the the first four or five months of my mat leave and I think that was a real wake-up moment for me of like wow if everyone's leaving something went really wrong here um and then you know as we rebuilt the team that was something that I felt strongly about prioritizing was hiring people who have families or have some not maturity that's not the word but yes some understanding I think of of what this product is in real in real terms Mm -hmm. um and so I'm really proud of then the team that we grew after that point I'm proud of the team before don't get me wrong like I I they did incredible work and I feel really bad that I sort of let them down in that way um but yeah I think seeing where we then went as we grew bigger and bigger um that was definitely, you know, we, I, I think by the time I left in March, I think our team was entirely parents. I don't think there was a single person on the team who wasn't a parent. Um, I think we had one person who wasn't a parent and then she gave birth, you know, <laughs> over the course of, of her working for us. So yeah, I think it was at one point, a hundred percent parents. Because I think that just makes a difference, doesn't it? So that when you've had a baby, if you've got parents who are working there, they completely understand. Or as I think if you've got a whole team that haven't experienced birth and, and children and, you know, and the ways it can pull you away from work, then it's again, it's a different environment. And you're maybe having to explain that more than you would do to a team of parents that get that like the nursery might call because your child's sick and you've got to go and pick them up. And that means you can't attend the meeting. So I think it just it's interesting to find out yeah what kind of team you had around you at that time yeah and it's like we're all guilty of it right like I feel like I was guilty of it before becoming a mom of being like oh why why you know can't you get it together but (laughs) these things just pull you in every direction yeah definitely and what was the hardest thing you found as like being a CEO having your own company being a you know a founder and being a mom at the same time I think it's as you've just pointed out, like you're pulled in every direction and and because the business is essentially a baby to you, kind of figuring out that prioritization within the family as well. Um, 
I think that feeling of like always letting someone down, whether that was whether that was reality or not. Um, but that mental gymnastics of kind of that balance um, was definitely challenging. But but then when it worked, it was the most empowering feeling, you know, like when it was really all in flow and like I had the people, the right people helping me with the kids and I had the great team at work and I really felt like, wow, this is this is amazing. Like, this is what I want to keep chasing, this feeling of, of just feeling completely empowered to to do it all. Not do it all, but feel like I'm really fulfilled by the things that I'm doing in my life. Um, so yeah, it definitely was challenging to find that balance, but getting the right like childcare in place, the right team in place in the company made such a huge difference. And was that something, so I'm just thinking like the way you're talking about it and it was empowering and everything is that something you saw from your childhood because I'm just wondering was that also something that you wanted to show your children like a working mom and she could have her own business and she could kind of do it oh is that something you grew up with or like where did that come from um yeah funny enough I mean I don't know if I ever dreamt of like entrepreneurship in that way um my mother was an entre- is an entrepreneur, but we were in high school. We were teenagers okay. when she started her business. Um, I grew up around really tough women. Um, my mom's mom was a, like, a, I mean, she was just incredible. Um, and so I, I think also I'm one of three girls. So we were only sisters in my family. And I think okay. my parents really drilled into us that feeling of, you know, you can be and do anything and anything's possible, which is really nice. Um, and so I, I don't think I was something I necessarily like always aspired to, but when I had the idea for it, I feel very grateful that I came from it from a headspace of like I can I can do it anything, I can make anything work. Um so I guess that was more where it came from. Um and it's never really occurred to me that I wouldn't have a career, um, just because I've always been sort of ambitious and and driven. So yeah, I suppose not having this, not having a career was never something I thought about. And then once I had the idea for the business, I just wanted to do that. So I don't know if it was as conscious as that. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, I think I saw on your Instagram, you know, obviously when you've left Mama Maid and you uh, moved on, the difference of going from being a working mum and this mum that had her own company to then basically, oh, I shouldn't say basically, you know, being a stay-at-home mum, but the the difference and like how did you find that, you know, mentally? Because I think that can be a massive shift for, for mums. I'm just getting into a flow with it and it's been <laughs> like nine months, I think when you have your own business and your own company or if you're working you know any number of days a week and looking after kids the amount of juggling constantly was it i was just constantly doing something yes and then i found myself in a position where i was still busy it was just such a different kind of busy that it actually felt like i was doing nothing and so i would go to bed at the end of the day feeling like i've done nothing today and I'll still have days of being like, I've got nothing going on tomorrow except for like, you know, A, B, C, D. <laughs> it's like all these <laughs> things that are more, you know, more concerned around the kid, things that I wasn't doing before because I was outsourcing them. Now I'm the one doing them. And um, yeah, it definitely has its like peaks of feeling amazing that I get to look after my kids and I, I'm able to do this and this is my life. And I feel very grateful that I have them. and 
that I'm, you know, in a position where I, I can do this. Um, but yeah, also feelings of like wanting to go to bed, feeling that kind of mental exhaustion almost that you feel from when you're working and from when you've, when you've been having a career and, and leading a business. So yeah, I don't, they're both so challenging and it's just about what suits you. And I definitely feel like I'm better suited to a career, but I'm also enjoying the challenge that this sort of quieter period in my life is, is presenting. Is it quieter with the two of them? It's quieter in the sense that like, I'm only managing them. Like, you know, before we had a team of 20, so it is kind of nice not to be managing a lot of other people, but no, it's, it's busy in a different way. And like, I've taken on like, I'm like daughter's class rep this year. Oh, which, like, I did that never, last year. <laughs> <laughs> which I never would have done. I would have been like, sorry, I'm too busy. Um, but now I'm doing it. And it's sort of this, you can get very sucked into school politics as well. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I get the PTA mom thing um, in a much different way now. Um no, it's it's really it's just yeah, my hours are different. It's just different. Like I'm really busy between the hours of, you know, three and eight thirty, but between the hours of nine and three, it's a different it's a different rhythm. So it's just yeah, rambling on a bit, but it's I'm finding my way. The initial the initial change was a huge shock to the system. I can imagine. Yeah. It's I mean it's yeah, it's cause two different worlds, isn't it? You know, running your own business and then looking after your own children you know it's just two completely different things but I think they're both equally as demanding um you know and you've got all of the I want to say like you know you've got HR and then you've got HR of your children because it's trying to like negotiate the disputes isn't it and stuff that goes on so I feel like there's probably a lot of parallels but just in in separate worlds I feel like from talking to you this won't be the last business you do um is there anything you're working on at the moment? I'm not sure what you can talk about or kind of what your plans are or what you're thinking. I'm really just taking kind of each day as it comes. I'm trying really hard to to not overwork this period. Like I I'm in this sort of downtime and I I'm getting to a place now where I, I want to just kind of see what happens, like by saying yes to things and, you know, say, go coming on podcasts and, and speaking to people mm-hmm. and just, and just meeting other women. And I think something that interests me as a kind of like issue is how many women of who have kids in school are finding themselves either like very lost career wise or, feeling very unfulfilled career-wise um, because of the concessions that you do have to make when you have school-age kids. In, you know, um, Not everyone does, but I'm coming across so many women who do. And it's something that I'm sort of chewing over, <laughs> I think, is that kind of like, how can we address this? Because it seems quite widespread, the number of women I speak to who just feel so incredibly like unfulfilled by what they're doing um but other than that I'm just sort of figuring it out (laughs) nothing nothing major in the works yet I feel like there will be something very exciting coming from you in the future but I think that's really interesting what you're saying because I think it is so difficult and I think in the UK as well we've got the massive issue with childcare costs you know and I 
know that so many women you either work to pay the school fees the nursery fees you know the nanny fees and then you're literally just back at baseline or sometimes you're even lower than that or yes you decide to stay at home because it works out cheaper but then you feel like you put your career on hold so I think it's a massive area where a lot of women do feel really frustrated and kind of held back um how do you feel it differs to the US and I mean Correct me if I'm wrong, but I've heard that maternity co- maternity cover, sorry, maternity leave can range from like six weeks that you can be back at, depending on then what company you work for. I mean, that to me sounds crazy. Yeah, no, it is. Um, there's actually no legal requirement to, to have maternity leave is the first thing. Gosh. So women will use a mix of like disability leave, um, vacation leave. I mean, there's like all kinds of... of um, combinations to get that maternity leave um but yeah I know I mean my sister was a doctor and she had five weeks I think and you know one of those weeks her son was in the NICU so it's just it's cruel um when you think about it in light of what we get here um and my other sister just had a baby and she's also you know probably going to go back in January um so getting between 12 and 16 weeks is considered very generous leave in the US, um, which is just crazy to think about. But at the same time, when you're in an environment where everybody is dealing with that, where everybody is going back at those times, um, you have a much more, I think, open culture around childcare and childcare options. And mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it's extremely expensive in New York, where I'm from. Um, it's just sort of mind blowingly expensive. But it doesn't feel as loaded as, I don't know, here I felt like there was a lot of like judgment around my decision to send my, my daughter in particular to nursery when she was like four months old. Um, but that's what I, that was my option. Like I, I didn't really have any other options or I didn't know about any other options. Whereas I think in the U.S. you have more discussions around things like nanny shares or, nan- you know, you've got more of a conversation around it. Whereas like I think the UK, because obviously the cost involved, there's a lot of reliance on grandparents and and family help, which I didn't necessarily have access to. So, um, yeah, it's just a different culture around childcare, I would say. But I I definitely think it's it's insane how short the maternity leave is there. There's just it's just crazy. Yeah, it seems really unfair. Like it seems such a short time. But I think you're right that you pick up on the point that because here we generally get nine months, you know, again, depending on your employer, I think most women feel okay sending their child to nursery at nine months a year, kind of that period. And I think that's really interesting that you say in the US, you're looking at kind of childcare at four months. And I think that's, it's just, yeah, what you grow up with as a society as well, isn't it? Um, and I think that's probably something, again, going back to you being a business owner, trying to find the childcare or find the nannies in that period. It's like another thing that you've got to work through because it's something else you've got to to source and to, to work out um, can be really difficult. Yeah, just adding to that mental load that we have as parents. And I think that was a big adjustment, obviously, becoming a mom and realizing that yeah how much that expands in terms of what you need to be thinking about in a day and then just going back to the business actually again because obviously the mental load so when you founded mama made I'm guessing that was trying to take away part of the mental load of the meal prep because I mean that was how I found you actually was because I was really struggling to 
make healthy meals and if I was making them they often got rejected you know and I was so fed up like spending time making all of this healthy stuff especially if I'd been teaching and I got back in and then they wouldn't eat it um that was how I found your meals and I kind of loved them because I could have them in the freezer and you know it made everything really easy and I just felt like it actually fascinated me that no one else had done it in the UK um, in terms of like just taking that mental load off for women. Is that where it all came about really from kind of just having so much on your plate, so to speak? Yeah, exactly. Like I, I felt really undersupported. Um, I really found the transition to motherhood very hard um, in a way that I just, yeah, again, I wasn't prepared for. I don't think anyone's truly prepared for that transition. <laughs> you don't think you can be. Um, but then I was just like, well, this is so silly. Like, I want my daughter to have the best nutrition, the best start. But I don't want to be doing as much as this. Like, I, I don't feel knowledgeable enough. I don't feel like I'm coping with the kind of load of everything. Um, and as adults, you know, there were so many options that we could turn to in terms of like meal delivery services or like a delivery or, um, you know, a, yeah, anything really that you you could really get that bit of support. And it just felt insane that like actually kids eat more than us because as an adult, you kind of you don't necessarily need like three meals and two snacks in the same way that a kid will need like three meals and two snacks. And um yeah, I was feeling very overwhelmed as a new mom. And it was just like, I can't be the only one who's feeling this bogged down by information as well. Like, how do I know what's the right thing? How do I know when? How do I know what? Um, so that was really, yeah, huge motivation to to find a product or a system that would support parents. And can I just ask you, because obviously I know you were focused on child nutrition, but what was your own nutrition like for your postnatal recovery? Was it something you even considered? No. And you know what? I feel like looking back, this was 2017. I just still feel like it wasn't really talked about that much in terms of like postpartum being challenging. Like it, yeah. I think about Instagram in 2017, 2018, and it was like people talked about how much they loved their babies and how much they loved being a mom. And every, you know, they were just, going back into their old genes within a few months and it, there wasn't the same space held for challenges the way that there is now um and yeah I don't, I don't rem I mean I don't even remember it being part of the conversation like postpartum recovery I think my I had a friend who gave me um a homeopathic kit that I was like this was it <laughs> I was like popping arnica and like some other you know homeopathic remedies and and that was kind of the extent of it um but i do i've since having arthur in the pandemic and and seeing the change online to being more open about postpartum nutrition i feel like sorry once woken up yeah i feel like um now i want to go into this like postpartum recovery nutrition mode because i feel like i'm still not right um yeah, there's um a book actually I will send you. You might have already read it. I think it's Doctor Oscar. 
I can't remember his surname, but he basically writes all about postnatal depletion and his okay. wife had three children and he's, I think she might have been a doctor as well, but he is. And he couldn't believe like what happened to his wife basically after having the third child and how much it depleted her body. Um, and so he started to make it his kind of life's work. And so he's done this incredible book and it's all about nutrition and supplements and doing the blood work, but really looking at how the body depletes, you know, post having a child so I'll send you that actually oh, on Instagram it might be a yeah, good one I, I, it sounds fascinating um, I was speaking to someone actually about postpartum depletion recently I was like I'd never heard that term um, so it's great that these topics are getting some airtime now and coming to light because yeah I, I hopefully that means a much different postpartum experience and for you as well now with yours yes yeah, so my third one coming I'm trying to kind of do everything right this time I feel like with the first one this one um I just didn't even think about it and you know again thought I was going to have a super easy bath and it, it didn't turn out like that and um with the second one similar to you it was COVID ended up in NICU again so just didn't think about it so hopefully I feel like this time it's like a chance to get it right but I, I still think it's really hard to to, to kind of put yourself first in a sense and think about your recovery you know I think it's a really a difficult thing um I'm conscious now that I'm gonna have to wrap up and for people listening no, <laughs> Ethan's woken up um but Sophie I just wanted to ask if you've got any advice for mums that you would like to give you know especially mums that have got their own businesses and maybe any books that you've read or just anything that you would love to share on the end of the podcast yeah I think it's like as you say it's like we're so used to putting ourselves last but sometimes the best thing you can do for your business and for your family is to not put yourself last and to to really prioritize yourself and make sure you're in that that good spot um to be your best the best version of yourself um I have what have I read don't worry if I put you on the spot don't worry <laughs> I can think of something but um but yeah I would say that's the main thing I've learned is obviously the proof is you know from my experiences that you you lose more by not asking for help and for not putting your needs up there with the babies and with your partners and everything else perfect thank you and Sophie are you happy for maybe other women just to connect with you through Instagram I know you have you've got an open account so if I put yeah. your details on the podcast yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. I love speaking to other women. And especially now I'm sort of always looking You're free. To connect. <laughs> a bit more free yeah. Um, and looking, yeah, looking to have interesting conversations like this. So yeah, thank you for reaching out. And it's really nice to meet you. I hope that time goes okay. <laughs> thank you so much for coming on this evening, Sophie. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. If you've enjoyed listening to the Honest Postnatal Podcast today, please leave a review and hit the subscribe button. This way we can reach more women with honest postnatal stories. And if you'd like to message me, you can find me on Instagram at honestyogaldn.com.